What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You like that Mike Tyson era, Lennox yeah, Lewis. It was rough. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what? I mean? We could get busy in a press conference. Yeah. I'm that sort of person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that. Welcome to another episode. Yes, it's episode four of Fight Club with me, Gareth Davis. Joining me today in studio, number 11 ranked WBO heavyweight prospect, Big D, David Adelaide. And on the Zoom, we're joined by world trainer, Joe Gallagher, Tasha Jonas, of course, Callum Smith and others amongst his charges. And also the sports lawyer, Stephen Taylor Heath, who talked to us about the complexities of heavyweight boxing contracts and the situation involving Conor Ben, UCAD and those two clomiphene tests, which have turned a new corner. All that and more coming up on this week's Fight Club. Welcome to Fight Club episode four. I'm delighted to say he's straight out of West London. It's Big D, David Adelaide. He's here in the studio. How are you, big man? Good. And I'm healthy. That's good. Yeah. It's Hands good. good? Hands always good. I'm always ready for a tear up. Always. You know, uh, I'm good. I can't complain. How are you? I'm very good. I've got to read about a, a bit of history about you. David Bancoli Adelaide. <laughs> yeah. 16th of November, 1996, you were born. You're the son of Nigerian mum and dad who came to the UK. Why did they come to the UK? Did they come for economic reasons? Did they better come? Life. Better life. work? Yeah, better life. Um, they came in all young. Um, wow, they came in, they was younger than I was. So they came in there early, early, like 
stages of their life. Um, all my siblings call me. You know, How many siblings have you got? I've got two brother, one sister. I'm the I'm the baby of the house. I'm the biggest, but I'm the youngest. So it's funny because um funny so when my mum's always talking to people about me. My mum's always describing me as the baby of the house. Like, look, this is my baby. And then boom, you get me that walking through the door, six foot five, people are like, that's the baby. <laughs> look at the size of him. She's like, Yeah, that, that's the, he's just he's the youngest, you know. Um no one expects me to walk through the door, but uh, yeah, it's a blessing because you know to your parents you're still a little kid so always always they, you always will, be. always will be and they see their baby giant man that he is 245 250 yep. pounds six foot five stepping into a ring against other giant human beings and they must worry about yeah, you yeah yeah my mum she, she she hates watching boxing she used to love watching boxing with my dad i heard my pops used to watch boxing all the time and then uh, when i started boxing she said she couldn't watch it anymore because when she sees the sort of punches people get, she just thinks that's the sort of punishment people got to go through. So uh, yeah, she don't watch it no more. She tunes into my fights and whatnot though, every now and again. And I think she watches the fights after they've happened, after she knows everything's good. She usually tunes in and uh, watches it. They never wanted you to box. They wanted you to do uni university, but you got your degree, didn't you? Yeah, I had to do both. You know, I come from a traditional household. Um, with me, I started boxing at a young age anyways, but they just thought, yeah, it's good discipline. Um, but I don't think they ever thought anything long-term-wise, like longevity, like, wow, is he going to become a professional athlete? You know, it doesn't cross their mind. It's just, yeah, he's boxing. Same when you have kids that do football, like Sunday League, um, you don't ever think, damn, you might make it, you know, to look mm. for him. But secretly in your head, were in you In my going, head, I knew I was, yeah. was going to go. You just knew, gonna, knew, right from a young age, yeah? From a young age, I'm talking... Like in real young, I knew it was gonna happen. I used to tell them as well, and um, yeah, they started to kind of see things. And I started doing well in the amateurs, and then like you got to stick to it, you know. Uh, my mom's calling me like, "Have you gone training?" You know, my my pops are doing the same. So it was a funny little, you know, t uh, turn of events. I went from them thinking, "Bloody, I would make sure you get your education." To, "Have you been training? Have you been training? Have you been training?" Yeah, I wanted to do education as well, so. What did you do? Business management. Uh, do you like business? Could you go into that as it helped you in some ways as well? Yeah, definitely. You know, I did business and law in college. Mm. I was going to do commercial law in mm. uni. Mm. But I thought, oh, I don't know, because um, I don't forget one of my teachers told me you've got to do it for three years. It's got to be tuned in, you know, you've got to like it. I don't know if I'm going to like the commercial law, so I just stuck to doing business management. And um, yeah, I loved it. It wasn't hard. Don't want to say like in a arrogant way, but it was like, how did you juggle the two? But it was easy, you know. Um, I've been in education my whole life, I've been boxing my whole life, so for me, it was the norm, you know. I'm doing it too, so it might come into play later on as well, yeah. Definitely, you know, I'm good with business, mm. um, yeah. I know how to do it all, so I know how to do contracts, I know how to do all of that. I think there's something with all fighters as well that like you say that calling you you felt from a young age where you you just know your body needs it exactly. like you, you you can suffer with mental health if you don't have it if you don't get a sweat on if you're not getting those endorphins from that every day mm -hmm. you know you'll probably leave here today and you'll want to do something 100%, every day 100 you know i'm an active person uh, and i like going through workouts mm. i just like boxing I'm a fan of the sport. A lot of people ain't fan of the sports, but you know, I'm a fan of the sport. You know, there's certain fights that happen and I'm gonna tune in and I'm keeping up to date with, you know, the build ups to the fight. Um, 
still studying the fight, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of the sport. Like, I knew we got something cocky. I knew I was going to be here anyway. So, it was all right. I already envisioned it, you know. Uh, nothing, nothing's really new to me. Even it's the first time I'm doing it. You're also true to your roots on your left arm there. Yeah, Westland, the Portobello Road. I, I mean, I used to often go down Portobello, All Saints Road when I was younger. There was a lot of oh, reggae yeah. going on. There was a yeah. lot of... It was quite Jamaican at the time mm -hmm. when I was younger. I'm talking... Oh my God, like a couple of years after you were born. Okay. The 40s, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am about 100. Um, but but it, in those days, it was <clears throat> it was very West Indian, yeah. British West Indian. Um, Portobello Market. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, cool. Yeah. It, was. it was cool. Bob I mean, Marley it still is. Go down there, yeah, right? yeah. I know Bob Marley was not for God. Yeah. It's got a lot of, it's got a big um, West Indian community. Now it's kind of diversified a bit. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of like, Rockin cultures, there's a lot of Africans. Um, Labrador is one of them areas, man. It's got so many different people, yeah, different backgrounds there. And uh, but you're true to your roots, yeah. yeah. No, I'm true to my roots. I'm a Labrador Grove boy, you know, um, born and bred. You, know, um, you boxed in Dale Youth as an amateur. Was that in that tiny little chapel where you can only fit a ring about no, the no. width of the studio? Did you move to the other place? Yeah, he was, um. <clears throat> there was one that was in the Grenfell building, but it was one that was like around the corner from me. So yeah, it was there about 15 years ago, 13 years ago. So that's the one I started in. I remember cause going to see James DeGale and George Groves in, in that place when they were like 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was literally, they didn't like each other then. Yeah. And it was literally a ring about the size of this room. It, yeah, yeah, that's because yeah. that's the width of the chapel arrest. Yeah. I don't know if you ever went in there. No, it was it. so narrow. Been inside it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I can't imagine how small it was, but. Yeah, I know everyone was talking about it. What was his name, Mick? Mick Hennessy. No, Mick, Mick. Mick Delaney. Mick Delaney. Is he still with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick, he is still yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great guy. Yeah. How many kids he's trained, you know, over the years in Dale Youth. Yeah, he's had a lot, a lot. You know, he did a lot of the seniors. I say with my amateur coach. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, I say my amateur coach, Gary. Gary McGuinness, yeah. Gary McGuinness, yeah. he was my guy, you know, um, he showed me the ropes and we had a good connection. So I just didn't even you know, switch coaches. I ended up staying with him for the whole of my amateurs. Yeah, he worked wonders for me. So. Dillian White was in trouble as a kid. Derek Chisor was in trouble as a kid. Anthony Joshua was in trouble as a kid. Were you ever in trouble? Uh, a bit. I used to get, yeah, I used to get caught up in a, a few, a few mix-ups. Um, it seems to be the norm where I'm from. Mm. You know, I mean, it's the norm. If you didn't grow up in trouble, then mm. yeah, that wasn't normal. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I had to put, I put my parents through it a lot of the times, man. All of these, uh, I had a lot of cases going on and whatnot. So I used to get in trouble all the time. But uh, what was that? Was that mainly fighting, or was it yeah, the majority of the gangs, time, or the majority of the time it was just like mainly fighting and whatnot? Yeah. I'll tune in. I mean, you wouldn't back you? down. I take it. Are you the nobody, kind of person? Imagine, you know, nobody. No, no. I saw somebody said something like, why does David Adley think he's so bad? No, no, we're going to ask, we're going to come to that. We're going to come to that. Are you a bad man being good? Are you a bad man being good? A lot of people told me I act subdued on the camera. I act laid back. And a lot of people think I'm acting laid back. The people that know me saying I'm acting laid back then. And the people at home that don't know me think I'm acting bad. They ain't seen nothing yet. So just, I ain't acting bad, mate. I'm in a violent sport. If I play tennis, then... I'd understand that, but I'm in a violent sport. Um, and I don't act no way, I just be myself. I'm not going to go, I don't have no bloody problems, I have no enemies or whatnot. 
just me. Don't back down from nobody. Um, so, yeah, some people don't like it. Some people can't seem to fathom it. It's just, it's for them, right? You know, when I live my life, they can live theirs. It is what it is. We got a ton of questions for you from the the viewers today, but do you think on that note, finally, did being involved in boxing, when you look back on it now, you're only 26, aren't you? Mm-hmm. When you look back on it now, back to 16, 15, 14, when we are, we don't know at that age, we don't know, we're, we're, we're fearless, but we're out there and... We don't know that we can back out facing sometimes if we have to, to win the war, but maybe not win that battle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You learn that as you get older, don't you? You learn that when you get older, you know. Um... But did boxing perhaps keep you out of serious trouble? The fact you had boxing yes, and know. respect and and you knew that you had that arc of boxing in your life and people like Kevin McGuinness? Yes, yes, I know. I mean... Of course, Gary, Gary McGuinness was, um... Gary McGuinness, sorry, yeah. Gary was, uh, he was, he played a vital part for me. You know, he came to court for me and whatnot, like, when I was an amateur, but, uh, yeah, obviously that's something for an amateur, but, like, yeah, he, he helped me a lot, but boxing did help me, but at the same time, it's like, I used it because I knew how to have a dust-up, you know, mm, I need to have, mm, a, mm. How to have a tear-up, so... We need... Good. Mixed martial arts, boxing in our society, don't we? Yeah, 100%. Under license, under rules, under... Because it, it gives those people who are going to fight no matter what it is. Exactly. You're not under the influence when you're doing it. You're not doing it on the cobbles. You're exactly. not... People's heads aren't being banged against railings and concrete. Exactly that. And um, you can actually probably be in a violent breakdown, but who knows? That's neither here nor there. Um, and I thought that the way I grew up was good. Because I, I grew up and it wasn't really, I mean, it was pretentious, but it wasn't the way it is now. You know, you could, pair, you could wear a pair of Nikes and be seen as a fresh kid. Whereas now it's like, you see the young generation and yeah. stuff that you know that like they're breaking a bank for when they're young. So it's like, you're probably asking your parents for that money or you might be spending it yourself. You have to save up for it, you know. Mm. The younger generation are getting old. They're never really young anymore, you know. You've got um, all before their time, maybe. Exactly that. A lot of the young people just acting way too old. So it's like they've got to be young because they're going to get older and wish they were younger. So, as you grow, as your resonance grows within boxing and within the sporting landscape, do you want to be a role model for youngsters? Being me. Okay, but being you, but, but yeah, like me, David. Every me. time I've known you, you've got you can laugh at yourself. I've teased you about the size of your fantastically yeah. small ears. Yeah, They're yeah. very cute ears. Oh, no, but I've but but you 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 can. You're not so proud that you can't have a giggle at yourself either. Oh, I've always found you a man who carries himself properly, definitely. who's enriched by what he's doing, who's deeply invested in his sports. And is proud of who he is and what he is, you know, that I don't see you any other way. 100% I am who I am, you know, and I can only be me. You know, that's why I say, if people was like, oh, David, you this or you that, it's like, listen, I'm just being me. Um, if they like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. But the only thing I can do is be myself. You know, I get a lot of messages of people saying, I didn't look up to him or not, and it's humbling because I didn't join this game thinking about that. Hmm. Uh, it's going to happen more and more. Yeah, then I use that saying. I went from being a bad example to setting an example. You know, um, growing up, and I remember everyone used to be like, don't be like this guy, and, you know, he's bad, and he's this. And now everyone's like, man, look at him, changing his life around. He was in this position, he was in that, he's doing this, he's doing that. You know, um, 
So I suppose I could be a role model for them. But um, yeah, I'm being me. I let people make their mistakes. One thing my dad always taught me was, my dad used to always see me and kind of see what I was doing wrong and whatnot, but he wouldn't really want to correct me because he'd rather see me make my mistakes. You know, um, sometimes when you're shutting doors on people, they will still want to kick it down. It's like, you know what? Give him the key, let him go into that room. And then when he sees that he shouldn't have done that, he's going to come out and know not to go into other rooms that are shut. You know, um, so like, that's what my pops was kind of doing. Just, you know, um, letting me get in trouble. Mm. Then you have your own journey. Let me have my own journey. You know, uh, The rite of passage of leaving the village to become a man to exactly and then come that, out, you know? Exactly that, you know. Um, so yeah, I went through a lot as a, I didn't go for a lot like that. Like I grew up, I grew up in a good household. My mom. It shows. Dad, it shows. Yeah, yeah. I grew up. I grew up with manners, mum and dad. Yeah, yeah. I was having. I went on my holidays with my with my family. My dad was buying me latest kicks. I had a pedal bike. My brother had a pedal. Like, we all PlayStation. So I did bad on my own. Um, <laughs> they done a good job, but you know sometimes yeah. you can give a kid everything, but he still wants to go out. Then it's like, what, what are you what are you mm. doing it for? You've got everything at home. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's where they were more sometimes confused, but at the same time, it's like they started to really understand that you want to let a kid be a kid sometimes, you know, and, um, let him be free. You won multiple titles as an amateur. You're a you're a twelve and zero with eleven knockouts. You've had a couple of tests already in your career. We'll come to the questions in a minute. Um, Fabio Wardley is a guy people are talking about you a lot. And Fraser Clark, even though that you guys know each other very well. Dillian White, Derek Chisora, Johnny Fisher may be chasing you at the moment. Um, what are the frustrations that you have in boxing, if there are any? People don't want to fight each other. Um, Why is that? Because they see what promote. I saw something with Eddie Hearn the other day. Like Eddie Hearn's talking about, why don't we get, he was talking about his prospects, how don't we get them on, why don't we get them on right now for us to bring in a fight, mm. let's just do it, like, and then he starts talking about, why is boxing like this, and I was thinking, he's one of the reasons, Eddie Hearn will get two prospects fighting each other, and then one of his prospects will lose, will drop that prospect, and then keep going, and then, so a lot of fighters will see Eddie and be like, oh, Eddie might do that, Whereas, I don't care mate, let's go for it, it is what it is, a fight's a fight, I've had many of them, you know what I mean? I know some people can come up short. God forbid it won't ever be me, though. But, you know, I understand that. You know, um, I remember I knocked out some of my opponents and he was upset. And I told him, man, you know I mean? He lost to a good fighter, my friend. Don't worry about it. You know, I was always did he lose to a future world champion? He did. Exactly that. Exactly that. So it was kind of understandable. I told him, like, hold your head up. So a lot of these fighters don't want to do that because they think, oh, my days, you know. It's just it's the Mayweather effect, you know. Mayweather's retired, undefeated, and whatnot. It's just, yeah. Is the bad guy being good right now, or is he the good guy being bad right now? I'm going to make him bad when we mention some of these things. Um, Go on. The weekend. I want to ask you about the weekend. Um, Arslan Beck uh, Makhmudov defeated Rafael Akbajuri. And Jared Anderson defeated Charles Martin, both on a top-ranked card in Toledo, Ohio. Um, I think, for me, Arslan Beck looks very talented. Six foot five and a half, 20-odd stone, big Russian guy, good amateur pedigree, 17-0, got rid of Akpajuri in a couple of rounds. Um, 
He looks like a great prospect. He's, I say, number five of the WBC. I can see him getting a world title shot next year. We don't know truly how good he is, but he's been stopping guys and knocking guys out on the way. Um, very relaxed about his skills. Have you seen much of him? Yeah, I've seen him. Um, he looks like a good fighter. He just looks like he's got a bit of strength to him. Swings a lot, but um, he gets the job done. Yeah. Uh, I saw that fight on the weekend with him and Rafael and... Um, yeah, he looked like Rafael looked like he got stuck in the mud. He looked like the he was undefeated going into that. Yeah, he was, but it looked like the you know the lights got to him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear, in the headlights. Yeah, um, he went out there from one one and his feet looked stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, he let uh, Makhmudov. Yeah, Makhmudov just let his hands go on him. And yeah, kind of just froze up. Mm-hmm. I know that Makhmudov because he, I knew him from a while back. I remember he he fought Takam, he fought Wallish, Erkin yeah. Tapper. Yeah, exactly. And he'll stop. I think. I think. Maros Vak. He, yeah, he stopped him as well. Six. I, yeah. I think Takam's the only person he never stopped. He did ten rounds with him. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Yeah, he was a good fighter. I saw some of that Rafael guy before. I think I first heard of him about Akpajuri. Yeah. Yeah, about twelve months ago. I saw him. He didn't really look the greatest, but he's a big boy. So six, seven and a half, Nigerian. Yeah, exactly. But he got stopped. So Makhmudov advances. What did you think of Chris um, of of um, Jared Anderson? Good performance, he did. We had against Charles Martin. Um. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal... And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You overcame some adversity. Um, he did the 10 rounds, no problem. Uh, showed some grit. You know, he had to bite down on the gum shows a few times. And, uh, he knew how to still survive. He's slippery, you know. He was working and stuff. It was a good fight. Chauffeur played to Charles Martin. He said that on ten days' notice. He did, and he was inactive for ten months. So God knows how he was training. Thing is about Charles. Everyone looks at that performance against um, Anthony Joshua, yeah, way back when, six, seven years ago, and says, "Well, he's nothing." But he has come back. He wasn't mentally right for that fight. Lost the IBF title to Joshua. But Joshua at the time was just a guy walking in, letting his hands go, wasn't he? With no fear at all. Exactly. Joshua's a big puncher too. Yeah. Obviously, Jared don't have that power that Joshua has. Smaller heavyweight. Exactly. Jared, yeah. Do you think he's being talked up a little bit too much? He's a good fighter. You know, they they, they clearly back him. Yeah. Um, 
he's going to be some. Mahmudov, Anderson, Martin, Joshua. Targets for you down the line? Most definitely. All of them? All of them. No one's outside the reach yet? No. I mean, with the way that we're going, right? You know, their pass like this, our pass like this. You know, if we keep us going in the right direction, we're going to meet each other. Mm. Obviously, the Joshua's or whatnot, my pass like this, the Joshua's pass like this, so we're probably going to miss each other. Yeah. And Fury, uh, probably, maybe, yeah. and Usyk. Yeah. And, uh, Wilder. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all too old. And I like them, to be fair, man. I look mm-hmm. at Joshua and Fury like big bros, so that's why I don't ever go out there and diss them because I'm too real to do that. I know you're very honest so about I'm, it I'm as well, that you're well. not there yet. I'm not there you're, yet. You know, no, um, know, at the level to fight them, the exactly. experience to fight them. Exactly. And uh, Like I said, man, I look up to them as well. Like, they do mm. a lot in the sport. Same thing with Joshua. He's done a lot of British boxing, man, in mm. his time because he carried the sport on his back by himself. So uh, it wouldn't make no sense for me to start dissing him. And... Especially when I respect him as a man. And like I said, I look at him like big bulls, I text him. So, so it wouldn't make no sense. I want to come with that and start you know, insulting him. Well, he's he's there for you for advice right now. Definitely. You have gone in, I think, is it 150 rounds of sparring you've done with Tyson Fury? Yeah. Good fun? Good fun. Great learning experience? A lot of learning experiences. And, um, I mean, the man's one of the best in the world, right? You know, I'm, I'm a prospect coming up. So uh, getting them sort of rounds in with him, he clearly sees something in me that, you know, that he appreciates and respects. So, uh, Do you learn a lot from that? Yeah, is he course. awkward? Is he as awkward as they he say is. he is? He's probably more awkward than, he's, than they say he is. You know, um, I mean, you're with him and like, Tyson talks, you can ask questions, you know, we have conversations. While you're sparring. No, no, <laughs> It wouldn't surprise know. me. <laughs> but like, there's times and obviously I'm in the gym, no one's in the gym, you're chilling and, you know, when you're around somebody for that long, you start to pick up on them and you start mm. to like so Tyson knows what I'm like I know what he's like you know it's just just how it is is it disappointing that we are at this kind of impasse at the moment where they're all obviously waiting for big money from Saudi or waiting to create their own rhythms um if Fury and Usyk meet can you pick a winner Fury. yeah Usyk is very good though he's six nine he's just got the attributes and he's got the the IQ as well as Usyk as you know I just see Fury Fury Joshua good fight of course because they're both I mean and they're both see this is the thing Fury's skillful awkward high IQ Joshua's strong bangs hard you know um, it's a fight we've got to see isn't it a fight that the public want to see I wish it happened uh, before Fury before Joshua fought Usyk yeah and it was meant to happen and then Obviously, Fury got taken to court with Vardo. Yeah. So they announced that rematch, and then Fury and then Josh had to go and fight Usyk. But I wish it happened back then. What happens if Fury and Wilder step into? I uh, sorry, not Fury and Wilder. Usyk and Wilder step into a ring together. That's a good fight. I've got Wilder winning that, I'm getting to Usyk that. eventually. I say because Usyk will do the, the tippy tappy stuff, and I just see Wilder landing one of them and sending them over. You know um, what? That'll be a good fight for as long as it lasts. What about Joshua and Wilder? Good fight too. I used to say back in the day, everyone used to ask me, I'm like, Phew. it depends on how the fight starts. Mm, mm. You know, um, it depends on that. You know, Joshua can go up there and just put it, put it on him and, you know, have him on the back foot. You know, um, can I have him stunned? He doesn't know how to throw his right hand, don't find his range. Wilder can come up big, big, strong, letting his hands go and, you know, uh, 
because I might not be able to move out of the way for it. So it's a good, good, good fight. What a tragedy if we don't see all these fights in this era, because you can feel the, the way excitement. Going, you, might, you might not see it. No, maybe only three of six of those. I'm just about to say that. You know, you won't see all of them. Probably no. not. But it'll be good to see it. Um, what would be a good fight? It'd be like the white against the other two. That'll be a good fight. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of fights up there that a lot of white and Joshua too. You mean? No, White and Wilder. Oh, White like, and Wilder too. Oh, I see. Yeah, as, two, as well as... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. God, I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I think Wilder beats most people. Yeah, yeah no, I think he, he gets and he's got, them in the end. I think Wilder's one, definitely up there, one of the heaviest punches we've ever had in the history of boxing. He's got to be up there. Um, he's got to be the proof is in the pudding that he hits people and they go over. So, What happens when... Wardley faces Adelaide in the ring. Wardley gets knocked out. All right, but ho hold it there. We're coming back with lots of questions for Big D after this. Well, I'm delighted to announce uh, the debut appearance, uh, not with me, but on Fight Club, of Stephen Taylor Heath, the head of sports law at JMW Solicitors, a very revered and uh, senior figure in, in world sports law, not just uh, here in the UK. Stephen, a very warm welcome to you to Fight Club. Good, good morning, Gareth. How are you? I'm very good. Now, you look like you're in a panelled boardroom, but I understand you might have been swinging clubs at a small white ball in the last few days. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually at Ilkley Golf Club um, in the billiard room um, because I'm taking place in the over 55 Yorkshire Seniors. Now I'm old enough. I'm playing with people my own age. You're not over 55. Come on. I am indeed. Come on, what do you play off then? Have you got a, um, a handicap you play off? Uh, four, but that gives the impression I don't do enough work, so. Four? You must play a lot of golf. Yeah, no, I, I just don't play very much, so I can keep my handicap low. Wow. And uh, playing off four, does that mean you're up for the prizes today? No, we're, we're, nowhere, near the, uh, we're nowhere near the prize table today, I can assure you of that, Gareth. Otherwise, I wouldn't be taking part in this interview. I bet you're splitting, spitting blood at your teammates, because I know how competitive you are, having spoken to you a couple of times. Uh, it's, the ta it's the taking part that counts, of course, Gareth. <laughs> um, look, you've been very formidable in in sports law itself, with uh, within football, within boxing, um, you know, you, you, you've been involved with, with Anthony Joshua in the past, with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, um, legal contracts with, with Queensbury, with the Boxing Board of Control, very formidably placed uh, within the sport. And I want to ask you as a generic question, compared to other sports, Stephen, is um, sports law in boxing more complex than many other sports? I'm not sure if it's more complex. I think that it's it's certainly a spot where experience is very important um, because the, um, the 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 politics that that are involved in boxing. Obviously, our lawyers have a 
duty of confidentiality to their clients. So I'm not talking about any yeah. specifics, but um, you've got obviously the governing bodies that are self-appointed. You've got the athletic commissions, you've got the boxing board, um, you've got the stakeholders, the broadcasters. So it's knowing the political landscape that's involved in in sport, not just the regulatory side. Um, and, and of course, uh, boxing does have a, a fairly unique um, contractual matrix to it with um, options agreements and, and and the like. So, um, you, you know, it's certainly a, a sport that's complex insofar as um, you do you, you can't read the answers really in, on, in a textbook. You, you have to basically just dip your toe in the water and um, get some experience in the sport in order to be able to to, to advise on a, from a from a legal point of view. So it's almost almost that study of case law in a sense. It, it's not so much it's not so much case law because there's, there's not much case law in relation to how a court would interpret a, a, a promotional agreement, for example, or, um, or 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 taking the governing bodies to to court. It's it's understanding um, the, the framework of the sport and how all the, as I say, the stakeholders fit together, um, and that if you fall out with one party somewhere down the line, that that could have repercussions elsewhere. So um, you're when you're advising this is the contractual position, you also have to have in mind what the knock-on effect of, of taking a stand on that particular point is, for example. And when I'm dealing with contracts, um, quite often I, I, I deal with the same lawyers on the other side of the table and, and they're experienced lawyers like myself. And mm. it, it makes it fairly straightforward to deal with the contract because they almost know the points I'm going to make. Then I know the points they're going to make and and, and we, we can get the contracts done. And, and obviously you're dealing with lawyers from other jurisdictions as well um yet the governing bodies rules and regulations have to apply pan jurisdiction mm. um, and so you have local rules and regulations so you know if you're talking about doping for example you've got athletic commissions with their rules and regulations you've got the governing bodies with their rules and regulations you've got wada ucad um and, and you've got the, the boxing commissions so you have to have an understanding of all the different pieces of the jigsaw when we're all pontificating out here, boxing writers and broadcasters, and the fans are getting frustrated with this contract's going to be signed, particularly in the heavyweight division where it's massive money, certainly at the moment for the top five, six, seven, eight fighters. When we're all going, why can't the fight just be signed? Is it much more layered and complex than that with, for example, at the moment with the Saudi Arabian skills challenge involved and Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua having contracts and Tyson Fury and whoever it be, um, Anthony Joshua and his opponents. Is it much more complex than, because because fighters will say, oh, no, there's this to be sorted and that's to be sorted. Promoters will say there's still places to go with it all. And we all just think, come on, guys, just sign on the dotted line. Is it almost like bringing two big national companies together when you get some of these big fights on? Well, you certainly have to take into consideration um, several moving parts. So you've got the broadcasters, you've got the fighters. Um, the fighters will have their own legal representation. The promoters have their own legal representation. You've got the governing bodies. You've got other governing bodies that are relevant to it. You've got the people that are putting the money up. Um, there's there's other factors you've got to take into account, other sporting events that might clash and things like that. Um, in, in terms of as I say, the actual contracts and what have you, um, the contract for a large sporting event is not that different to if you're putting on a 
any form of a large sporting event or a, or even a, a music festival or something like that, you know, the, the, the legal parameters around putting a large event on um, involve a venue, um, negotiations with that venue and what have you. Um, it, it's easy, of course, um, if things break down to, to blame the lawyers and say, oh, they didn't get the contract on or what have you. I mean, the legal side of it does take time. Um, obviously, you do have a unique situation where um, you've got two parties coming together to put on an event. Um, you, you know, the World Cup event, the Olympics and things like that, they're self-fulfilling prophecies in terms of events. You know what mm. the event's going to be and you can plan for the event. When you've got two promoters um, trying to organise an event, they are um, effectively negotiating as to how that event is going to work. And, of course, you are always going to want, if you've got two promoters and they're both alpha promoters as it were so they both want um um to have the, the best position then of course there's several matters that are going to be discussed when it comes to to doing those contracts and that takes time to to negotiate that um if you've got a, a purse bid situation then it's slightly different because the promoters the, the promoter that wins the purse bid puts the fight on um, and that that's a relatively straightforward process but if you're not in a purse bid process and you're just trying to negotiate, then then you have to deal with the um, the issues where uh, both promoters may want may want to win on particular points. I think that's the, the words we use there from our side of the fence is egos and rivalries, but you're not using those because you're so political. Um, you and I spoke a couple of months back, Stephen, about the situation um, round and about Conor Ben's uh, coming back and fighting. Um, with these two cases of clomiphene in his system. Now, the recent evidence being put forward, we understand, to UCAD, UK Anti-Doping, and the Boxing Board of Control for his hearing, which is taking place with them, which they put forward and asked to do in the middle of March, is that the metabolites, this is their latest scientific evidence, as produced and given over to an article in the Times by their chief sports correspondent, Matt Lawton, last week, which is that... Sports scientists have found that meta the metabolites involved with that clomiphene are definitely from a food substance they're claiming and not a pill, which seems to exonerate him in lots of ways and fits in with the WBC's findings of a surfeit of eggs that he may have taken during his nutritional factors going into that fight with Chris Eubank last year, which, if anyone has been living under a rock, was cancelled because of these two tests. A very big fight. Eddie Hearn is looking to press on with that fight, saying they could do it in September, noting September the 20th third maybe Abu Dhabi they want to do it in the UK if possible the hearing is imminent we hear from your perspective um just commenting as a neutral from outside has he got an opportunity here if that scientific scientific evidence shows up of even though the UCAD system is strict liability of actually getting a receded uh, suspension or ban or none at all yeah, yeah. We, we we obviously talked about this in some detail, as you say, a couple of months ago. And I think the the main significant um, change since then is is this um, publication in relation to the what the expert evidence may say. But we're still at the same position, really, in terms of um, in terms of the case and liability and. Obviously, that one charges. One of those charges related to um, 
one of those charges could relate to a sample which um, UCAD took. Now, in, in this particular case, obviously, the sample itself wasn't one that UCAD took. It was a VADA test, so it was charged under 2.2. Um, the rules and regulations do provide in 10.6 that you can um, mitigate the situation by by effectively establishing no significant fault mm. uh, on negligence. Um, and one of those grounds is the basis of contamination that you weren't at significant fault for that finding its way into your system. Now, um, I believe that there's plenty of study that, that shows that um, clomiphene um, can find its way into, into eggs because um, just as it's used as a fertility drug, um, it, it, it's also fed to chickens to, to increase egg production. So... Um, clomiphene can be in and that could elevate the level to the point where you have a failed test mm. so if he can establish all of that through expert evidence and i'm not sure this is necessarily new science because um i i had a quick look online and there's like a reddit um uh, article talking about the difference between um uh the signatures of um clomiphene in um metabolites um from um effectively supplements and from eggs so if you establish that evidence then of course it may well be that a panel will accept what you are saying with regard to how that came into your system if they do and they find that there's no significant fault then of course they can mitigate um the, the suspension and, and, and mitigate it down to potentially zero or effectively time served so um, you, you, you can obviously have a situation where this expert evidence could effectively clint a box in the very near future. Is that very important, you believe, for this to go forward? I mean, it, it seems to be, from what Eddie Hearn's been saying in the last few days, that they are very optimistic. I hear that the case hasn't gone before UCAD yet, but is imminent. Can you just describe for those watching and those listening... Um, how this tribunal takes place? Because a lot of people don't know. They think Conor Ben's just going to go there with his lawyer and stand before the Boxing Board of Control and UCAD officials and and he will they will give his case and they will give a summation of what it what 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 transpires for him from here or what's gone on in the past and 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 put out a statement about his name. But it's actually almost like a court case, isn't it? For those that don't know, Stephen. How will the hearing actually take place? What is it like a court case with a defence uh, team and um, a, a judge? How does that? How does it effectively take case, take place? Well, it, it, the, the process has now reached um, sports resolutions. So sports resolutions are um, a body that deals with um, arbitrations in a sporting forum. So sports resolutions will um, will go through their own procedures which are a normal arbitration type procedures and they can set out directions with regard to the steps that are taken by the parties um so given that expert evidence is so important here they will have given a direction and a timetable for when connor ben's team are to produce their expert evidence that expert evidence uh, will be considered by um ucad and ucad will be given the opportunity to potentially um, produce their own evidence if they don't accept what that evidence says. Um, then there is, in theory, a process whereby matters can be dealt with on paper, but more likely there'll be an oral hearing um, where Conor Ben may be required to attend the oral hearing and give evidence 
to say um, with regard to um, you know his, his 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 ingestion of eggs and what have you, um, and be answered questions in relation to that. The expert may also be required to attend if you CAD have any questions in relation to their expert evidence. Um, and then the panel, which is an independent panel, will be required to consider the matter. And if they come to a conclusion that um, that what Canovan is saying and, and that the grounds under 10.6 are made out, then that would um, be a mitigating um, factor in the uh, in, in any sanction that might be imposed, whether he be cleared entirely, um, have to show no no fault or negligence whatsoever, um, and and obviously you, you have various issues that that are taken into account in relation to these types of cases that involve contamination um, with regard to an athlete's obligation to be very careful what they're putting into their bodies, um, and that contamination can occur. So you would normally batch test supplements, for example. You'd have a, a nutritionist that advises you on your diet, and you would expect that nutritionist to understand, um, you know, how uh, su su uh, how supplements can be contaminated, but also how everyday foodstuffs that you might take for protein and and, and obviously to, 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 as part of your training, what how they might be contaminated as well. So um, those types of issues may 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 be uh, pertinent in the uh, in in the hearing. So so basically, you've got. Um, sporting resolutions have a have a have the tribunal, and they they have a panel which is effectively the judge. Then you have UCAD who are like the prosecution, if you like, uh, the defence yeah. team. Connor Ben and his his scientists, his doctors, his lawyers, and so on. And then a resolution. Is it normally done if they come orally to one in one session? And do you think it, they 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 go away then and consider and come back with their verdict? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and, and you hit the nail on the head there, Gareth, that UCAD become the prosecution. Um, it's not UCAD that are going to decide this particular mm. matter. Um, it's, it's, it's decided under their processes. So UCAD have decided um, that there's a case to be answered. And obviously they publicised back in April, I believe it was, um, that, that, that they'd issued a charge. Um, 
So they are the prosecutor, and 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 that's a fairly standard process that applies across um, sports in general. You know, the the, the recent case involving Michael Vaughan um, and an England Cricket Board, for example, the England Cricket Board became the prosecutor, mm. but it was under their rules and regulations. So each sport has um, a, a dispute resolution chamber. Um, sometimes it's an internal um, dispute resolution chamber. In the case of of UCAD, um, the, the dispute resolution chamber is uh, is sports resolutions. Fascinating stuff, and it sounds like if they have got the right evidence that we may indeed see this Connor Ben and Chris Eubank fight this year. I know you, as a lawyer, you can't say yes or no. Um, we're just neutrals, but we all hope that there is some kind of uh, effective and closure resolution on it because up to this point till october it's allowed a lot of gray matter a lot of gray clouds around the sport because a testing system for banned substances is so important in an inherently dangerous sport well, well it is important um of course it's important um and you know you have to have great sympathy with the with robert smith and the british boxing board of control i mean rob's got a significant amount of integrity and he cares greatly about the sport and um you know obviously you've got a situation where in doping you are guilty until proven innocent because you haven't got the time to arrange a hearing to 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 deal with the, the boxer's explanation for a failed test mm. before before most fights and and obviously you, you you wouldn't want a boxer who has failed a test um taking part in a fight even if the other boxers prepared to fight him but yeah. you know and, and and obviously so the board has a difficult role they and and, and so if you're looking at you know the, re, the the repercussions if in fact Conor ben is cleared you'd have to look at a situation where you don't want a boxer getting into the ring um if they've if they failed a test and it's um you know and, and it's a substance that is banned at any time for example so you're not distinguishing between um in in, in competition and out of competition for example so they have to take a decision they have to prevent the fight happening and then of course if following all the processes the boxer clears their name then of course they will be allowed to box in the future but when you look at how they have suffered in the meantime in between um you, you know you have to look at the fact that there has to be due process mm. um and and my personal view um as a lawyer is that the lawyers will always argue the corner of the boxer but um you know, and, and one thing I'm very clear on in 25 years in uh, being involved in boxing is I certainly don't talk about boxing because I'm certainly no expert about boxing. But I, I, I think that um, whilst the lawyers have a role to play, um, you should leave it to administrators like, like Robert Smith to, to do what they think is best for the boxing at the time. And if a boxer fails a test, they shouldn't be getting in the ring. Three quick fire questions. Favourite boxer? My favourite boxer? Uh, probably in all the time that um, I, I've, I've been watching the sport and people that I've got involved with, I'd probably have to say Joe Calzaghi. Favourite golfer? My favourite golfer uh, is probably uh, Nick Faldo, but I know he's not everybody's favourite person. Which boxer would you like to play a round of golf with? Uh well, I have honestly, uh, not name-dropping, well, I am name-dropping, but I have actually had the pleasure of playing golf with Oscar De La Hoya. And, and how was he? And believe it or not, and, 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 well, he's a lefty, but believe it or not, I played with Oscar De La Hoya and Paco from the WBO. Paco Balcarcel. 
Just very, yeah, and just very quickly, I played on this golf course in Florida. And you know when you get deja vu and you think I've been there before, but then you're sort of thinking to yourself, well, I can't have ever been here before. Went into the pro shop and, and there was a gopher head cover because it's the, it's the uh, course at a caddy shack. So that's how I knew where. Uh, that's brilliant. Have you ever had a hole in one? I've had six, but not for about 10 years. Six holes in one. Pick out the best hole in one then. Uh, well, there was nobody around, so it's like you've only got my word for it. Go and get a hole in one today. It's been a pleasure to see you as always. Stephen Taylor Heath, an absolute legend. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye. Welcome back to Fight Club here on Boxing Social. Big D, David Adelaide in here with me in the studio in our After Hours Club. Um, there's no alcohol this week. I didn't want to misbehave with Big D around. Um, listen, I've got to ask you some questions. And the first one really, because most people want to see you in the ring with Fabio Wardley. Yeah. And one of our questions here is, would you take Fabio Wardley now for the British title? You said... You're on your own path instead of Wardley. Yeah. Define what that means. I mean, I got my own trajectory, you know. Um, so I can go and fight good or some many fighters, you know, um, with more popularity than he has, you know, that put me in rankings and, you know, uh, fights that just actually work with my promoter rather than other fights that won't work with my promoter. Like, I won't get mentioned in them. So I can go my own path and I. Before we went to break, you said you'd knock him out. Yeah. Do you visualise that? Yeah. Do you do you, do you visualise yeah. that when you're training? Is he a target yeah. in your head right now? Yeah. You called him a muppet on the show with me the other day. Why? Yeah, that's why what is he that? is. He's a muppet. You know, um, he's an actress, not an actor. He's an actress. He's not no serious guy. You know, um, you know, I like no man. So he's an actress, and everything he does is just acting. It is what it is, you know, the fight happens, it happens. If it don't happen, it don't happen. Like, I generally do not care if the fight don't happen. Um, when I wanted it, it wasn't given to me. And now everyone's asking, saying that. But before, it was like, nobody mentioned my name with it, so, you know. You think he's avoiding you, yeah? No, I'll give him his, his dues. I don't think he's um, avoiding me. I think the fight got made, he'll definitely fight me. Mm -hmm. um, I, think he, I think he's got bottled. To be fair. Oh, he's terrifically entertaining. I think you yeah. and he fight, fighting is an amazingly yeah. thrilling prospect. Yeah, 100%. And, um, I've mentioned it to you fight. before. It, sometimes those those fights that Frotch and Groves, Carl Frotch and, and George Groves, they had a fight in Manchester. It was a great event for the IBF title. Um, Groves appealed it, thought he was stopped too early. It's huge animosity between them for nine months. They end up fighting at Wembley Stadium and it just explodes. Everybody wants to see it because he put Frotch down early yeah. as well in, in that first fight. And 80,000 people go to Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Three years before Anthony Joshua was doing his thing yeah, with yeah, Klitschko. Yeah, Joshua was actually on the You don't know. It could be the person you most dislike in the sport whose name is most linked to you at the end that enables you to buy a row of houses on Portobello Road. Yeah. It's weird though, isn't it? No, you're not lying. You know, Ali Fraser hated each other and 
to the death. I did an interview with Joe Frazier. Absolutely right, Big D. I did an interview with Joe Frazier when he was in his 70s. And he even said to me then, when when Ali had his Parkinson's, I know which one of us is going to heaven and which one's going to hell for all the things he said to me. He couldn't forgive. But a lot of people do forgive and a, a lot of people do become friends. And you guys, when you go through that tunnel of pain and focus with that other person, you have a bond. Yeah, know? because you think about that person so much, don't you? Especially yeah, it's in weird. Camp. yeah. You think about that person so much. And you, 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 there's a respect level there. There's always always a certain amount of respect because these are their fighters at the end of the day. So you've got to go in there with a certain amount of respect. Um, 110%, but you know, respect in a different sort of way. But 110%, you've got to give them that sort of respect. People focus on your Sokolovsky fight, rather. Um, And one of the questions, it was a hard night for you. He he made it awkward for you. He's an arch survivor in the ring. He's a very experienced veteran. He's got a ton of losses, um, but he's able to do the rounds of people. He's a yardstick for some fighters as well. One question we got here is, do you wish you'd rematched Sokolovsky before he retired to clear that mark on your career to date? I don't think there's a mark on it. I beat the fella, but I wish I rematched him and I would have stopped him. You frustrated that night, weren't you? Yeah, and that way I could sit there and be like, I stopped everyone I've got in there with. I know I've hurt everyone I've boxed. In fact, mm, mm. Every single person I've boxed, I've hurt. And uh, yeah, you know, um, I wish I wish I did. Re- I mean, the rematch was meant to happen. At first he said he wasn't going to take the rematch. So it was a bit peculiar the way things were brought up later on. Um, he said he wasn't going to take it. I said, give it to him straight away. Um, but yeah, so. Is that power that you clearly have, is that something that allows you to know that if you get your boxing right, you can deal with anyone? Because anyone. heavyweight boxing is about power and knockouts, yeah. isn't it? That's what people want to tune in to see. That's yeah. why it's the mecca of boxing. Yeah. Because people go in there and they get slept. You know, um, people want to see it. Mm. You know, and I've got the power to knock out anyone. And then it comes across a certain way, but I'm just saying how it is. I don't know what it is. People just ain't used to a certain type of person anymore. I'm supposing they're not like my personality. Maybe I'm like a 90s sort of fighter, you know, um, that, that talks. You like that Mike Tyson era, Lennox yeah, Lewis, Amanda Holyfield. When it was rough, like, yeah, yeah. you know, um, we could get busy in a press conference. Yeah. I'm, I'm that sort of person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that. Mm. Like that. You know what I mean? Like you see Lennox Ready. Lewis, Mike Tyson getting yeah. getting busy and then yeah. if it gets to that, you've got to let our hands go, all right, then let's do that then. And you must like Derek Chisora and Dylan White. I do. White, this is what I'm saying. That's the sort of stuff that yeah. tickles my fancy. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> I'm one of them sort of fighters. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know, man, I'm just an angry, but I don't know. I don't want to say I'm an angry person, but I kind of am like, you know, I can be yeah, but it's so controlled, it's David, as well. 100% it's controlled. Yeah. That anger is brilliant. It's a focus. Exactly, exactly It's that. a weapon. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and it's just in me. There ain't no nothing, you know, it's, it's in me. There doesn't need to be no cameras around. It doesn't, none of that needs to be yeah. around. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes I can come across a certain way, but it's like, I don't know, man. I'm just not so you need, so having person. been involved for a long time, you need that in you mm. to become a world champion. Exactly. To be there when you've had to maybe 
take the knee for seven seconds oh. and get up and win and knock yeah. them out. You need that. You, oh, no, need- you do, you do. You need that little grit you've got. You need, everyone needs that grit. And um, there's things that people have that you can't buy. I dare I say it, it's, it's the willingness to put everything on the line, including your life and embrace oblivion, isn't it? It's there in you. I see it in you. I mean, at the times it I've been around though. you and we've talked deeply. Oh, that's what it I is. I see it. 100%. You know? That's what it is. Yeah. You know, um, and like me, like, I won't even talk here, but listen, man, I'm a fighter, so let these fights happen and then we'll see what happens. We've got another question here. If you could pick three current heavyweights to fight in the future, yeah, which would they be? Think money, legacy, glory, belts. Usyk would be a good fight. Yeah. I'd like the Usyk. Um, I was saying really for me yet, but if I had to choose something, yeah. Usyk. Yeah, we're saying any time, yeah. Wilder. Yeah. We, I'd love to fight Wilder with that right hand. Um, yeah. See what it's like going there. I can upset him. Yeah. And uh, so I'd say Wilder, Usyk. And you're saying at any time I could fight somebody, I'd love somebody like Evander. Because I, I love. Oh, Evander from but you, you say back in time now, yeah, Evander, yeah, yeah. Evander Holyfield. I love Evander Holyfield. I love him so. You have a bruising twelve-round war with Evander Holyfield. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Amazing man. So yeah, something like Evander Holyfield. But you talk about I've got to say a fighter now. Is yeah, it? is there another one now? Another one right now. So I'll see what I've done. If you fight Wilder and Usyk, I reckon that you can buy maybe a couple of properties on Portobello Road. I think so too. Yeah, they're all a cool. They're all a cool million at the you moment. So a, yeah, I come on, one other, one other. One is other. it Fury? Is it Joshua? Is there something about you that you can't fight Joshua for some reason? No, Joshua's my guy. It's just Joshua would be. Imagine that me and Joshua both in good nick. It'll probably be Joshua would be a good one. Do it back uh, on Victoria Island in, in Lagos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that. All the aunties and uncles there watching it. Chaos in Lagos, me and Abby like Aladipo call it. I can't call see it. myself. You know, I like him, but if I had to, 110, what? 110. But he's not, I'm planting that. He's not the one you're picking in your mind. No, so I think I, I choose, I'm trying to think of somebody because there's a lot of these American heavyweights as well. Um, that'd be good fights, you know. I mean, like I said, obviously, the two people I mentioned, they both had their reasons. Fury's awkward. And I sparred him so, so so many times that it's not one of them ones where, you know, if I never knew Fury and I'd never been in the ring with him, I'd always be like, man, I'd love to be in the ring with him. Right. And fight him to see what But it's you've like. been around him but so much. How many camps is so it? Much, about five. Oh, right. so it's a lot of, a lot of so time around him. Yeah, yeah. Time. Um, so, yeah. So, cause it's if he's like, around in four years' time, you might fight him. Yeah, but he won't be around. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he'll I agree. into the sunset. I agree. He'll be, he'll be long gone. You know. Daniel Dubois? Dillian White. Dillian White. You and Dillian is a good fight. Mm-hmm. Maybe good. I like that fight. I like that fight a lot. I can imagine the build-up yeah, being fairly White, fiery as well. White, Ryder, and Usyk. All yeah. right, lovely. I can imagine that build-up being good, though. Would you fight Fraser Clark? Someone's asking. Yeah, but he's a punk, so I don't talk about him. Oh, do, oh, oh, you think he's a punk, Fraser Clark? I, used to I like, thought you were friends. We used to be. What's yeah, going on? We friends. It was just more so. I had, it was like, it was cordial. But, cordial, uh, was it? Yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean, it's, it's gone cool. south, yeah? 
not not necessarily south, but just a boy. He's just not a serious candidate. He just I don't know, man. He thinks the shit don't stink. So, yeah. <laughs> right, this is for both of us. Um, oh no, this is for you. I mean, who do I think is better, Fabio Wardley or Fraser Clark? Uh, at the moment, I think it's Fabio Wardley. Both good fighters. Um, who wins out of that at the moment? If they met, fight. Going on performance, I say Wardley. Wardley, uh, I think Wardley actually does win. I think Wardley wins, and and quite some good fashion against them. If I'm being honest, I think Wardley. Um, we'll come to three favourite heavyweight fights ever in a minute. Um, who's the best prospect in boxing? I've got the young guy Andy Cruz. That um, is he uh, Cuban? Yeah. That Eddie Hearn signed. I've got Xander Zayas, the Puerto Rican, who's like 15, 19, 16. 20 years old. Yeah, 20 years old. He was just on the Josh Taylor, Teofimo Lopez undercard. Yeah, yeah. Great kid. Yeah. Um, then I'd say over here, um, for me, you're beyond a prospect anyway. Yeah. I'd say Caroline Dubois and Lauren Price in the women. I think they're both extraordinarily yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talented. Dalton Smith, you can throw in there as well. But he's kind of beyond prospect yeah, yeah, now. He yeah, was yeah. very good at the weekend, by the way, against... Sam Maxwell, two cuts on Dalton Smith's eyes, went to work and stopped Maxwell. Oh, did he? Yeah. He's got, yeah, he's got a lot about him at 140 pounds. Have you got a prospect out there that you like the look of? I mean, I look at all of them because there's always, you know what, boxing is like, you always want to see people. And then, yeah. I mean, you can be at the top of the tree and you can still learn something of somebody just yeah. coming in. That's always the case. Um, but in terms of prospects, like you just said, the people I do kind of look at on the same sort of level and up, so the none of sort of really, really prospects. But uh, you mentioned some names there that was actually interesting. I haven't actually seen that Andy Cruz got a fight though. Very talented. Yeah, really Xander's good. good. Trying to trying yeah. too hard with this power at the moment, which is something yeah. that heavyweights yeah. like yourself kind of struggle with sometimes, yeah. where you you know how much power you've got, and it's waiting for the moment, isn't it? waiting for the moment because you know you've got the power to stop anyone but with maturity you know um, come to wisdom so you kind of start to use it to your advantage yeah but yeah like you said going back to any of my sort of prospects um there's no one that actually stands out that I'd look at think, in heavyweight yeah I think well yeah I like what he does there I like what he does there are you the best prospect in heavyweight boxing yeah. right now my level 110 percent i'd say me jared yeah because i feel like with everyone else there's there's like a ceiling kind of know how far they're gonna go me and jared i think we're gonna go the whole way do you think you'll end up fighting him for the world title one day yeah but the way have you planted are, that in your mind that yeah but the way things are going out and whatnot and the way things are planning then it's more than likely gonna happen um yeah, 110%. Dubois is obviously there already. Dubois is a good fighter as well. So, yeah. Three favourite heavyweight fights ever. I've got a list of them here that I put together, by the way. I'd say Ali against Cleveland Williams. Yeah, oh yeah. Such talent that day. Man. Moving like a featherweight, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a very good fight. Yeah. I'd say uh, I liked Van Holyfield, Riddick Bowe. Um, and I love Van Holyfield, George Foreman, that fight there. 
Man, George was 45 then, yeah, or 43. Yeah, I think was still one of his toughest fights. Yeah, yeah. That he ever had. Yeah. Um, and you watch the people in the 90s put their punches together. They were different sort of fighters. Some people hit with bad intentions. So Holyfield and Tyson, some of their fights as well. I like Holyfield Tyson with the whole ear biting. I mean, this is what I mean. Of course, that's not on, but could you imagine a fighter doing that now? <laughs> License gone, everything gone and... Yeah, you but know. but it's still expect the unexpected in boxing. We do not know. Yeah, you know we do not know. Um, True. Well, I don't really want to see. Well, I mean, it's hard to ear bite with you because they're so small. But um, <laughs> why are you laughing for? <laughs> Our huh? production team in the gallery. Why are you laughing? For? David, leave them alone. <laughs> we'll sort them out afterwards. Uh, George Foreman, Ron Lyle, Riddick Bone, Evander Holyfield. We said Jack Dempsey and Lewis Furpo. Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali, the yeah. fight of the century, 1971, New York. Um, Ali and Frazier in Manila in 75, the rumble of the thriller in Manila. Lennox Lewis and Vitaly Klitschko was Louis, a great fight. I swear to you, I was thinking he was going to say that was a... It was brilliant. Klitschko took that fight on two weeks' notice. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Two weeks' notice. I remember he was getting crazy after the fight got stopped. I'm also going to add one... I've been at well, one or two of these, but um, also add... Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder won in Los Angeles when Fury got up in the 12th round. It was just unbelievable. That and you can't even believe it when you watch it back. Still can't believe it when you watch no, it back. No, you just can't Still believe can't. it. It was and, freaky. Uh, even the story going into that fight yeah. was even better. How Fury's well, dad leaving didn't want 10 stone and Exactly. His dad didn't want him doing it. He just came back in August to fight the hardest puncher in December. You know, everyone, everyone bit him off. Mental health issues, suicidal. Yeah. Can you believe he was 28 stone and they, or 29 stone nearly and he came back? I went to see him in Marbella when he was 28 and a half stone when he was training, first of all, with Ben Davison and Billy Joe Saunders. I went for a jog on the beach with him. It was easy. Yeah. It was easy. He was only doing like three miles an hour. You know, it was. <laughs> but he was 28 stone. I could not believe how big he was when yeah. I got there. Yeah. I had a fantastic interview with him. And what a journey back over those those two years a couple more questions for you um that i've got to ask um what's your opinion about if it happens tyson fury fighting uh mma fighters if it happens against francis and garnu it's rumored at the moment we don't know if it's definitely it's happening not a boxing right. contest because he's the top of the tree tyson so it's not gonna happen i mean in, in the exhibition it's still going to be interesting to watch to we'll all watch how, it won't we watch yeah. it to see what's yeah. going to happen but might not be what we what, want right now I was going to say it's not what we want right now we'd rather see him against the Usyk yeah uh, do you think that fight will happen don't know because I know they was talking about Usyk probably fighting Hergovic at the end of the year because Tyson's going to be fighting defending the IBF so mandatory that'll be, yeah. that'll be interesting Yeah. do you think Daniel Dubois gets beaten by Usyk then yeah but it's still going to be a good fight because I, mean, I don't know about Daniel's. I don't think Daniel's got IQ like that. So, and he ain't the smartest. I mean, he ain't the sharpest tool in the box. So he might go in there and, you know, sometimes you being not that smart can work in your favour. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're doing certain things, it just works good for you. But um, I'm pretty sure they've spotted each other before. Yeah. So um, they kind of both know what to expect going in there. Final question. If you could sit down with any heavyweight from history 
around a dinner table and you could choose three to ask them about their careers and give you advice for yours, which three heavyweights would you have around a table with you for dinner? Ali, 110%. Um, Evander Holyfield. Mike Tyson. I knew you'd say Mike Tyson. What is it? You've mentioned Holyfield. You've mentioned Ali. Obviously, Ali is amazing. 100%. I've always seen you as someone that would have an affinity with Mike Tyson. I just, I feel like he would get me if I, when I tell him certain things that seems crazy to everyone else. Yeah. I might say some things that that's a bit peculiar. Why would he think that? Why does he think like this? But see Tyson kind of understanding me and you know I, and particularly like understanding ask, you now in his 50s exactly where you that. where he was and where you are exactly that because he will probably be thinking I see a lot of myself in you know um, I'd like to see where he was at where he was my age and you know um, yeah Mike Tyson's son I'd ask a lot of questions you know you got to go and I can't no we got to make it happen Frank Mike Warren Tyson, Mike, Mike Tyson if you see this Frank Warren if you see this George Warren if you see let's this let's make it happen Big D George where you at? Mike Tyson. 100%. Let's Big do it. Big D. Sitting down together. I'll be there. Happy to listen to it. I'd love, love to watch you and him talking. Yeah. You know, I saw him in Saudi. It was both in the Prince's house. Oh, at Tommy house. Fury and, uh, and Jake yeah, Paul. Paul. It was in the Prince's house. Yeah. Uh, the Prince invited us all over for food and whatnot. Um, shout out to David Zorba because he made that happen as well. But, uh, yeah, I remember. I did Did you want to go over and speak? I wanted to, but because I because I was idolized him and I respect him, I thought, you know what? Let me not even disturb him. Bro. He was sitting with the Furies eating, wasn't he? He was actually on the table right next to me. Yeah, so I was on this table. He was on that table. And um, you know, there's a saying: you never want to meet your idols because sometimes you might look at them differently. So I thought, I'm not going to disturb him. But he was a proper nice person. Everyone was going over to him asking for photos. Everyone was chilling, you know. And um, but I thought, yeah, now nah, I'd leave him. And I was having my time as well. And I was chilling with the boys, so. Yeah. So it'd be brilliant for you to tune into who was the Iron Mike Tyson and who is now the kind of stoner. Subdued. Stoner. Re yeah. Relaxed, wise, living the zen of Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson. Exactly. He's Michael Tyson now, isn't he? Exactly. He really is. Exactly. But he, he puts out some wonderful wisdom now. Yeah. None of us believed when we were following him in the 80s that this was a guy that would even be around in the 2020s. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly uh, that, you know. Um, nobody expects that. He's a, he's a humble man now. Even he talks about the the sport. He doesn't talk about it with the same sort of fire. Uh, but I suppose when you go through the wars and you go through what he went through, you you're gonna feel like that, you know. Um, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. So that's why I gotta give respect to people like Joshua because I can kind of understand the sort of pressure he's got on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't. And um, internet's quick to judge. Sometimes you've got to realise he's a man as well, man. The world um, is quick to judge. And also, exactly. we, you know, listen, we've always said it, um, those of us in the sport, we might be critical of his opponents, of his performances, but he's a game changer for our sport. He's he really, really changed is. the last decade. He's, he's, he really, I mean, I think they said something along the lines of, I remember before Joshua was boxed on Sky Sports, I think the viewing figures were like 100,000. Sky Sports 150,000. Yeah. Joshua started boxing and they went to the millions. Uh, it's literally that. Yeah. Straight away. Yeah. And um, Josh, in the beginning of his career, was getting like 400,000 viewers tuning into his fight on Sky Sports. Yeah. And big world, world title shots was getting 100, 150,000. 150, so it was like he changed the sport. He brought a lot of eyes to the sport. <clears throat> started doing pay per view 
breaking records with pay-per-view. Um, so he had pressure on his shoulders from early and he dealt with it good. You know, he's human. So, yeah. That's Respect out of the ring, full on in it. That's... No, 110%. And that's why I am who I am. You know, I'm man. Like, put the pressure on my shoulders, I'm going to deal with it. i got bollock shoulders. You know what I mean? And uh, i got a big head, so when you give me that crown, make sure it's heavy. I can deal with it all. I like it, you know. So, uh, <laughs> Big D, I'm Big G. You're watching Fight Club. Joe Gallagher. That's it. Just next. Well, I'm delighted to say that joining us is two-time Boxing News Trainer of the Year, uh, Ring Magazine Trainer of the Year, extraordinary character who has coached in so many amateur gyms up in the north. Tutor, of course, was the great Phil Martin. 30 years ago, of course, uh, Joe got involved in all of this and was a boxer himself. Good morning, Joe. Looking looking very uh, grey and bearded this morning. <laughs> just like them, but Manchester weather at the moment, very grey. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've just done a session at Billy Denzin this morning, talented prospect we've got. And I'm just quickly nipping out now to get a quick coffee and then back in for another session later on with some of the lads. Uh, no time for celebrating then early this week after a brilliant win for Natasha Jonas at the weekend in Manchester. Yeah, no, we had a really good weekend. We had uh, Natasha Jonas obviously become a two-time world champion at two different weight divisions. Um, first one from Liverpool to do that. And they also had Sean Yaxley. He went 13-0 and at the weekend. He won the Celtic title and the uh, IBO Intercontinental down in Wales. So, uh, good weekend for the gymnasium. I'll come to all your fighters in a minute, but as I say, you've been involved for 30 years now um, in the sport. And you, as a young man... A lot, a lot, long, a lot longer than that. I've, I've been involved, what is it now, 44 years. I'm coming to that. Okay, then started coaching when I was 23, 24. Yep. Um, that was way back in 93. Yeah. Um, did the amateurs to 2001, got Foster to the World Bronze. Then I got Joe Murray to the Olympic in 2008 i was already a pro then so a pro being a pro now professional trainer 20 odd years been involved at champs camp moss side since 86 so uh yeah it's a long time well i'm gonna delve into you a little bit you had 60 amateur fights yourself now you're a tall man you probably weigh in at cruiserweight these days i'd say something like that as a young man who took up boxing at 11 you had 60 amateur bouts didn't you yeah, that's right. What what weight division? Were you a tall, lanky super middle or something? No, um, when I was boxing at um, Moss Side, that was in 87, I was 19. I was like a welterweight then. Welterweight, stroke come like middleweight. So um, I boxed in the boys' clubs championships. I got beat in the northwest um, by a kid, a very good kid called Tony Costello. Yeah. He went on to the final and lost to uh, a kid from Repton who was a very good fighter. So... Um, yeah, no, like six. I boxed abroad, boxed with Mosside, uh, Morris Corps in Holland, and had around forty odd schoolboy contests, around sixteen senior contests, and uh, yeah, that was it really. And then I was bitten by the bug. Phil asked me if I wanted to take over the amateurs, 
in like 1991 and coached them as obviously at that time the professional side of champs camp was booming with obviously frank grant paul burke um carl thompson all them boys and um yeah i became uh phil's uh understudy and had a great education underneath the man any regrets that you didn't take it on further yourself no not really i i, I really i was really wanting for it um, when I finished school, I wanted to get into law or boxing. And then one day, me just dad sat down and I was always buying boxing news. And he said, look at all them ratings there. And at the time, it was like 600 boxes. And he just said to me, how many of them are millionaires? And at the time, like, obviously there's like four or five, in there, whoever the top ones at the time were, McGuigan, people like that. He says, you've either got to be able to fight or have some type of gimmick or you're a bit, a bit of punch like Bruno and... That basically summed it up for me then, so stop wasting your time with it and crack on. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that taught me out of it, to be honest. So you're clearly, you're, but you're a multi-millionaire now, yeah? Pardon? But you're a multi-millionaire now. No, far from it, mate. Don't believe that hype. No, no problem. <laughs> David Adelaide's in the studio with me. You will, you watch everyone in boxing. Have you got any advice for him? And what do you think... Or where do you think he is headed? I'm very impressed with him. No, listen, he's a good fight. I, I, I was, we fought on a similar showdown in uh, York Hall when Callum Johnson fought, I think. And um, no, uh, like anything um, with the big lads, I've just got to take the time. I, I did an interview the other day because I just said I'm sick of talking about Dylan White and Derek Chisora now. They've been great servants. They need to move on and let the young lads come through, your Jared Andersons, the likes of David there and let them kids come through and let people be talking about the next generation of fighters coming through and build up their profile and give them the column space and the airtime. And because um, a lot of people don't know about them, Yuri Fury, another one, there's some good fighters coming through. And we really need to say to the lads that are there now, listen, you've had your time. It's like Joshua Dillon, right? Who wants to watch that? Do you know what I mean? Just, it's, it's just absolutely killing and stopping the progression of fighters like David and other heavyweights there coming through that wants to be moved quicker, um, but can't because it's being held up at the top e top end with people that have I've had the time a little bit. But like I say, all good things come to those all way, and, and the cream always rises to the top. Do you, but, do you uh, agree with that, David? That um, yeah, no, I that, what you're saying fully. Yeah, that are being held up. Yeah, certain fights need to be made. Waiting for certain fighters like people at the top of the tree is just going to take a long, long time. Like he said, I think the young generation are starting to kind of come through, but uh, you can only go so far when the people at the top are moving a certain way. Have you had to tell some of your fighters in the past, maybe people like Tasha Jonas, by the way, just be patient and it will come in time, Joe? Um, yeah, Tasha, Tasha was, uh, was one, obviously. Um, she fought Terry, then Cater, and then was sort of like really kicked to the curb, really, and, um, and was forgotten about and it was just a case of always having that belief with her, sticking with it. And I think signing up with Sky and Boxer and having an arm round her and just doing what she asked, which was go and get them and, and, and I'll deal with them. And that's what she has done. And I think I did a social media post last night to say, listen, Natasha's achieved so much, but I still don't think she's been given her flowers. I, I think she's an unbelievable athlete. People forget what she's achieved as an amateur. She was the first one to qualify for the 2012 Olympics, a British female. And I just still feel that she still isn't getting her uh, her flowers, as I say. There's something somewhere where I feel, wow, for she's changed. She turned 39 last last week, the week before last. 
Uh, her mum, she does so much work to do with put weapons down, gloves up. She played the charity match on Sunday at football with it. She goes talks to loads of schools. The work she does at grassroots level goes right under the radar, doesn't get talked about. And it's just, like I'm saying, give the girl a due, for God's sake. What more does she have to do? Do you know what I mean? She won the Box of the Year Award, Ring Magazine, four world titles and four world title fights. And the British Boxing Board, what more does the kid have to do to, to get the, um, the, the the accolades and, and the appreciation? I, I know a lot of people close to her really expected, but I just don't feel it's still forthcoming with her. And it's not necessarily... I know I can be difficult. It isn't necessarily all Gallagher complaining. No, it's not. I'm just going what's before and what people have had before. I just give it Tasha now. Do you know what I mean? Don't hold back. Give it her. And um, yeah, there's the, a the, the kid. Listen, it's not like she's not from Tartford. Her sister plays for England, the Keeter. Yes. Her brother plays for it, Liverpool under 21s. Her other brother is in the PFL. They're a massive sporting family. Mm. And um, like I say, for her to be kicked to the curb three years ago and now to be like, number one in the world and two-weight world champion. That's an unbelievable comeback story. And um, like you say, Anthony Crawler was another one. He lost early on in his career. He lost to an ice cream man, had a few setbacks. <laughs> slowly and surely, you just got to persevere. Yeah. And um, consistency is key. That's the key word, consistency. Getting up, doing the same things every day. And being ready, I'd say. Being, and, and being ready. And being ready and when the opportunity comes. Ready, yeah. 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 Um, there's been a bit of criticism over Savannah Marshall. Obviously, you were there with with Tasha on Saturday night. Been, I was there with Talk Sports, and there were, there's been quite a lot of criticism of the level of um, fighting boxing that we saw between Savannah Marshall and Fanchon Cruz on uh, Cruz Desern on Saturday night. I, do you think that's unfair, given that styles make fights and Savannah just kind of met her in the middle in what I'd call an old Victor Victorian fairground duel in lots of ways between two big heavyweight women, as I'd like to call them? Yeah, I think Savannah Marshall, no matter what she did the other night, she would have got stick for. Um, the main thing, obviously, she's come back after her first career loss. And she was going in um, with Cruz, who, who was an undisputed world champion. The person that beat Savannah was shouting ringside, and I'm sure Savannah could hear that. And they're doing everything to unsettle Savannah. Um, but Savannah, like Peter said, uh, Cruz turned it into a dogfight. Cruz wasn't got to come and box. She was coming to him, turn it into a dogfight, her type of fight, and she nearly did it. But Savannah, like I said to you, um, sooner or later, she was going to have to go into the into the pocket and fight with her. And she did that, and she came out the winner. And uh, it was a very good win for Savannah Marshall um, against Cruz, moving up a weight division. Would she beat Clarissa in a rematch? Well, that's something we'd all like to see. Personally, I don't think so. I just think Clarissa Shields is just something that's just on, a, on another level. I, I really do feel... Tasha and Clarissa, then? What about Tasha and Clarissa? Well, Tasha Clarissa, now I'm not saying Tasha beats Clarissa, but I'm saying I'm I'm open for the fight of Tasha versus Clarissa at 147. Or 154? Uh, 147, uh, Clarissa said she'll come down. Yep, she did. So if she, can come, if she can come down to 147, then we'll do it. Um, it'll be hard for her to do 147, but she's put that out there. And like I said to you on the night, go and get the contract. We'll sign that now. Um, I think um, Natasha's skill set, um, is good, but like I said, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Clarissa Shields, and uh, um, listen, it'd be good to have her here over again, either fighting Savannah 
or Natasha. I'd love Natasha to fight Katie again, me. That, that, that's a fight that I'm harbouring for. They've been rivals since 2011 yeah. and the Olympics. <clears throat> and then when they fought in Manchester, it was behind closed doors. And I think them two, the rivalry, one last dance. It doesn't really need world titles, to be honest. Catch weight. And the two of them have, a, have the farewell fight. Um, this time with a crowd at the arena would be packed out, 20,000 sold out. I think that that would be a, a great fitting end to both Katie and Natasha Jonas's careers. Final one, Joe. Um, have you got a prospect that the public might not have heard about too much at the moment who you believe will go on to the very top? I've got a few, to be honest. That's not me just being blasé. <laughs> Yeah, so got a kid called Josh Holmes. He's a very talented kid. He's 11-0, just had a good win. Billy Denz, a light heavyweight, 8-0. He's the Turkish Tyson. He's a good kid coming through. Um, Clark Smith. Clark Smith, he's, I think he's 4-0, 5-0. Light middleweight, looks like Canelo. Canelo sent him a good luck message on his pro debut. I think these two or three kids over the next two or three years will be the ones to keep Manchester boxing going. Brilliant, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us. I know how busy you are, and um, we shall speak to you very soon. Cheers, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Good luck, David. Thank Good you, day, appreciate mate. it. Thank you. No problem, my man. Well, Joe Gallagher there um, being saying the right things, which is about, we've talked about it all day in the show, about being patient, about being ready. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, time and experience is the greatest teacher. You can't beat that. And um, like you said, patience, you know, we're young, we're coming through. So it's all about the right time and, you know, good time and beats everything. So when are you out next? Do you know? Have you got a vague idea when you're going to be out? Back in the summer. Um, yeah, I'm in the gym all the time anyways, but yeah, I'll be back in the summer. On a Fury card? I have no idea. On Joyce and Jang? Go wait and see. Come on, you're going to be on a heavyweight card. Or is it time you started headlining? Let's wait and see. Hey, do you not tapping on Frank's door every day and George Warren's door every no, day? I mean, you know, they know what's best. BT Sports know what's best. Or should I say TNT Sports? But... Um, yeah, you know, I leave it to them. and I, I just stay in the gym when I get the call I'm ready. Right, I ask everybody this who comes into the studio. I don't know if you're married, engaged, whether you've got a girlfriend, whether you do a David Hay and live in a throuple, I don't know, yeah? But 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 you're marooned on a desert island, yeah? Who's your girl Friday? Who do you have with you on the desert island? Your dream girl on the desert island. My dream girl? On the desert island, yeah. Um, Don't get yourself in trouble here, by the way. Yeah, that's what I'm not really gonna say. That no, I know who I know. I, I got a dream girl that being on that island. But you want me to say the name? Or absolutely, because we're gonna pop a picture up of her on the show. Here she is. Who is it? You can you can do your top ten if you want. My top ten, not obviously like I. God damn, what's going on here, man? Girl, show me that. Come on. So um. What a celebrity is like, yeah, like, whoever you just as, got, just, just a throw baby right now. I have you, yeah. yeah well, well, you're gonna have to have your, your partner and your baby, baby girl's gotta be up there, you know what I mean. But if I'm talking about celebrities, yeah, maybe least, someone that do the cooking kids. for you or for you and your partner and the baby, or someone that would sing for you. Oh, no, or... I ain't got no kids. 
Oh, you haven't got... Oh, but... Okay. I mean, I've got a baby in terms of, like, yeah. Okay, I, okay. Well, you can't upset her by saying you want to go... You want Naomi Campbell <laughs> yeah, there or, or... I ain't got no kids yet. Not yet. Yeah. But um, number one's got to be Alicia Keys. Okay. Number one's Alicia Keys. Huge fan? Yeah, I like her music. Yeah. I like I like her looks better, but... I like some music. Don't you get look, don't come on the show and get yourself in trouble. I say that to everybody. Big Mo, the announcer, the other day, who works for Sky and Boxer, he, he wanted two. He had two girls on. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm just like, fair enough. But he hasn't got a baby right now. So oh, right. yeah. You've done right, David. At David Alley on Twitter and Instagram. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today, thank David. You, Big you. D. Big D, that's what they call me, but um, it's been a pleasure. Gal said my surname wrong, so that's crazy, but... Adale? Yeah, 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 yeah. How did I say it? I said LA. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's all good, though, because I know he knows my surname. He knows where I'm from in Nigeria and whatnot, so... We, yeah, well, it's an amazing place, as I said earlier. It's brilliant to travel there myself as a, as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. different back then. Nostalgic. Oh, yeah, absolutely nostalgic. Can't go wrong. You've been watching Fight Club with me, Gareth Davis. My thanks to David Alley. Correct? Mm -mm. There's no, you always say the D. Okay. You've been watching Fight Club uh, with me, Gareth A. Davis. My thanks to David Adelaide, Joe Gallagher, and Stephen Taylor Heath uh, for a fantastic episode four. Join us next time. Don't forget, we want all your questions. Um, all your thoughts on the show. And in the next couple of weeks, I have Eddie Hearn, Ben Shalom, and Carl Froch joining me in the studio. But none of them is bigger than Big D. Fight Club. We'll see you next time. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.